This program is uncut. It contains strong language in some adult situations. Discretion is advised. All the way live radio, CKUT 90.3 FM, every single Wednesday from 3 to 5. This is Pro V. Big shout out to Widget. Big shout out to CKUT for keeping the programming going during this COVID. And a big shout out to Don Smooth for taking the time to uh, do an interview with us today. Um, so yeah, did an interview with Don Smooth on a, on a Zoom call. And uh, yeah, it was a great conversation. Um, Don Smooth, who is uh, definitely a, a pillar, uh, uh, a DJ who is really contributed to the to the Montreal hip-hop scene, to the Montreal radio hip-hop scene over the past uh, almost 30 years, and uh, somebody who's who's been there from the beginning of the Montreal hip-hop scene who, who, who grew up in it. So it's definitely interesting to, to talk to somebody who, who lived through all of that and who still uh, pays attention to the to relevant hip-hop now and knows, knows everything all the way back to, to when it began. So... Um, Definitely a great, a great angle, and uh, it was a good talk to hear about different experiences that, and you know, definitely stuff that has to do with the, with with the history here in Montreal. The interview ran a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be because we had Don, we asked Don to do um, a, a guest mix as well, so he he sent in a mix, and so we're gonna play a little bit of that mix at the end. That mix is definitely gonna be available on my SoundCloud. Um, but I, I wanted to run the whole interview because, you know, Don's always DJing. It's, it's a good time to, to, to hear a DJ talk and to, to hear what he had to say about life and, and everything that's going on now. So, um, yeah, so if you want to hear the full interview as later on, as well as the full uh, Don Smooth guest mix that he did, it's uh, soundcloud.com slash pro-v-dash two. And that link is in my Instagram, which is pro underscore V underscore MTL in the bio. So let's get into it. All the way live radio, CKUT, 90.3 FM. Big shout out to Don Smooth. Big shout out to Widget. And uh, big shout out to CKUT. Let's get into it. Peace. I think I, I don't I don't even think I've done more than five interviews in my life. So it's always a pleasure when I get to do it. Okay. Yeah. I like asking the questions, not answering them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you. So myself and Widget were chilling. We were listening to the mix, and we put together a little question, you know, interview for you, you know. So okay, cool. Questions are coming from both of us, just to let you know in advance. You know. So, okay, cool. Yeah, man. Let's start from the top, man. Um, sure. Where did you grow up, and describe the environment? I grew up in uh, Park Extension. I grew up in Park Extension, uh, I would say uh, the mid 80s through the 90s. What was my environment? It was, um, it was a heavily Greek dominated neighborhood. Uh, but I mean, I guess there's a lot of people that grew up during that era. It was a lot of, you know, good times outside, you know, playing sports, basketball, soccer uh, on the streets, riding our bikes. We were heavily into freestyling. That was like a, a, a big thing. Uh, the freestyle and doing the tricks and all of that, that was a big part of uh, my youth growing up. Nice. A lot of time outside, for sure. Okay, okay. Um, how did you discover your musical interests? Um, it, it, it's strange. Um, I can't say when I discovered it. I, there was something about music that always 
I remember being a little kid and like just being in the car and hearing the music. And for some reason, I, don't, I didn't know anything about production or how music was made, but I, I, I felt that I was able to sing along and hum along and I felt that I would be able to do what they were doing. Like I thought, for some reason, I don't know why, I felt like there was something that uh, made me gravitate towards it. And I felt that it was something that I could do. And um, I got an introduction like into like actual musical, musical theory uh, at a young age. My pops is a musician. Uh, he played guitar and other instruments. And like from a young kid, I always had instruments in the house. And, you know, I would mess around with the piano and all that. And then when I got to high school, I started playing um, saxophone in the band. I didn't want to play saxophone. I wanted to play drums because, you know, drums look like the coolest thing. But my number came up to be saxophone. And I played that for a couple of years. So I learned all the music theory and reading music and all of that. Yeah. Uh, I did that for a couple of years. And then I, uh, around my mid-teens, around 15, I, start, I started messing with the guitar. And I, like, totally fell in love with that. So uh, I was always fascinated, I think, with how music was made. And then when I learned how it was made, and then I was able to, like, pick up an instrument, and be able to play, replicate stuff that I heard on the radio, like it was, I was just, I was totally in from that point. So it was stuff you were playing by ear as well as reading musical notes. And uh, you know, I wish I could take the credit and say that I was at that level, at that point, I was able to do it by ear, but it was all, everything that I did play was through notes and uh, stuff that, you know, learning music theory that I, I was, I was playing with the sheet music, right? Yeah. In my mind, I thought that I could replay it by ear, but that wasn't the case. But I was, I was able to do it by reading the music. Okay, okay. And um, in this you know, musical journey, where, does, where, does, where did hip hop, where did you come into contact with hip hop? And uh, yeah, just how, how did that well, experience? So. Well, you know, with growing up in Montreal during that time, like DG was like everything. Like, uh, all of the rappers at that time, all of the the, the, the music, hip hop wise, was coming out of uh, out of NDG. You know, you had uh, I think it was like Gordy G and LDG and uh, the promoters. Everything hip hop based in that era, I'm talking like the mid '80s, was was coming out of either it was out of DG, it was out of Uptown, it was out of Burgundy. So. I actually got influenced because uh, the breakdancing, when the breakdancing took over and was real crazy, there was a crew in my area in Park X called the Le Chateau Crusaders. And I'm talking, they were sponsored by Le Chateau, the, uh, the clothing store. And, you know, when there was festivals or like outdoor events, you know, we were little kids, we would go to the park and we would see like the older guys in the neighborhood. And the breakdancing wave was like, it was, it was on fire everywhere. So it was the first time now, like I didn't have to leave my neighborhood to see it. And I just fell in love with it. There was just the whole break dancing. I, I was just mesmerized by it. And I, like, I was really, I wanted to be a part of it. And that was, uh, I think that was my, I fell in love with hip hop at that point. And then, you know, we had like the beat streets and the breaking movies and all of that. And that just elevated even more. I, I was even more and more interested in it. And then that's when I really started getting into the music and all that. At this point in time, I, I never thought about being a DJ. I was like, the break dancing was, was what I was really interested in. And that's, that was where my starting point of hip hop was. Do you remember around like what year uh, this would be? Um, man, the 84, 85. Okay, so, so yeah. I would so, say about 84, 85. And like, at, at this point, time. like, hey, eh? sorry. It was around that Beach Street time. Yeah, it was around that time. It's like, it, it, it took over. Like it was so huge 
and it was something so fresh and was something so exciting that we had never seen before. And it just looked so cool to do. I just wanted to be a part of it. And what, so you're saying like, they had this, this, this like jam or whatever, like how, describe the, the party or describe the, what, what was a hip hop party in that, in that time? Like when you, when you say that you discovered it and these people are, are performing or whatever, like where, what's a good example of, of, I came into this place and this was happening and just to give the right, right. Well, leading up to that point, it was like the breakdancing wave, it, 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 it caught on everywhere. So like in the schoolyards in Park X, we had different crews. Everybody had their schoolyard where they would go and practice and rehearse. And, you know, like little kids, they didn't let us in. We used to have to watch from the fence on the outside. And we used to just watch and see it. And it, and it kept on building and building. And then I don't remember the exact year, but it had to have been in the late 90s. The Spectrum, that's no longer in existence, the Spectrum had a huge showcase of breakdance talent where they had break dancers from all around the city of Montreal. And for me, that's when it had reached its peak in, in my experience. Like when I went there and it was like crews from all over, it looked like something I saw in Beat Street or in Breaking, like it had reached such a massive level. So for me, I would say that Spectrum show, like I said, I don't remember the exact year, but it has to be like late 80s. Uh, that's when I saw it, when it, it moved from just something the kids were doing in schoolyards to like, you know, this, now this is, something that's in a venue downtown, people are paying money to come and see it. And I was like, wow. Okay, and would you say people are doing, people are breaking more than they're DJing and rapping? Uh, back then, uh, the, the DJing element of it, I saw it, the, break, the breaking was, I was more excited about the breaking and the writing. I, I was more fascinated with that than I actually was with the, the DJ aspect or even like the MC's aspect of it. For me, the hip hop was the, the break dancer and the graph writers. Like I was, I was amazed at how guys would do these great art pieces all over, all over the city and we would see them and the tags and all that. I was really fascinated with that. Okay. And what was the first hip hop show that you went to? Here? Wow. Yeah. Uh, first hip hop show. The first hip hop show I went to, um, was the audio too. It was the flavor unit. It was the flavor unit tour. Um, we're talking, oh man, I can't remember the year exactly right now. I just remember I was 14. It was the first time I ever went out anywhere. I was probably too young to be there, but I went to um, the flavor unit, came to Montreal. They were at Marymount High School, performing in the cafeteria. It was like Positive K, audio too. Uh, DJ Tough was playing. Gary T was the promoter. Uh, me, she, me was still a Montrealer at that point. That was my first, first hip hop show. And at that point, I remember we, the show was like, it was amazing. I'd never seen anything like this. It was like, what do you mean still here, a Montrealer? Eh? What do you mean Mishimi was still a Montrealer? Well, Mishimi was a Montrealer then. Mishimi moved to Toronto after. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but I think Mishimi was a Montrealer in the 80s and then moved to Toronto after. Okay. Yeah, and I remember her. She was on that bill. Okay, cool, cool. So he said. So yeah, that was that was my first hip hop concert. Positive K Audio Two. Yeah. Um, Mishimi. There was no Queen Latifah, unfortunately, at that time. Uh, yeah, but those are the ones that stand out. Flavor unit was was Lakim Shabazz part of that at that time? Yes, he was. Okay. But I just uh, the performances that stand out that I remember. I remember seeing Audio Two, Positive K, and Mishimi. Okay. And um, what, was that, what was that show like? 
You said that was at it was Marymount? a Marymount. It was a Marymount. It was a Marymount High School in the cafeteria. Crazy, because I heard of shows. It, it, it was amazing, and I mean, like the show was packed wall to wall. It was it was amazing. I heard of um, what's the uh, there was a um, a Public Enemy and a Big Daddy Kane show at James Ling. Exactly, exactly. I was so the there. First, it's funny how the first Montreal hip-hop shows I'm hearing about are basically at, at high schools, you know? Yeah. Mar Marymount was our venue. Like, I saw public... And Marymount was uh, one of the first venues, and then James Ling started holding a lot of them. They had Eric B. and Rockin' perform there with the little boy with his son from, from Microphone Fiend, Follow the Leader. He was, came along with him with the big chain. Uh, public Enemy was there, and that was Public Enemy when, like, the whole public enemy would come out, like yeah. Professor Griff, Flavor Flav, Terminator X, and they were performing in, in high school cafeterias. That's where hip hop started. And back then, like the, 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 there was no entourages. There was like, the artists used to come, they used to stay at the promoter's house. There was no crazy writers. There was no, it was in such a, the infancy stage. It was amazing. Like we, at the time, that's just the way it was does. It was done. But looking back at it now, I'm like, it's the way it's transformed since then to now. It was, it was so simple. Mm -hmm. It was really simple back then. And like a hip hop show was maybe like 20 bucks, if that. Yeah. Crazy. Well, and so what was your first DJ gig? Or was DJing the first element that you dove into? You know, you said there was some freestyling. Or were you a rapper before you were a DJ? Uh, I, was, I was never a rapper. Uh, I messed <laughs> around with the graffiti a little bit, but I couldn't get a handle on the spray paint. I didn't understand how their, their shit never dripped, but my shit was always dripping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I messed with the break dancing for a little bit. You know, my, me and my guys, we had a little junior crew. I don't remember if we named ourselves. We, 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 we delved into the, the break dancing a little bit. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm a techie guy. Like, I like sound and connecting stuff so then i started gravitating towards the dj in a little bit and like you know i would dj on like the parents turntable and try scratching on that and whatnot anyway long story short my first i started djing in uh in my junior high school and i would be like the guy that played the music for dance shows and variety shows that was my start like strictly just tape decks i did that for a while but if you ask for like when Dawn Smooth like really came to light. I would say would be like 1991. I was DJing for a, a group back then. We called ourselves the Fresh and New Crew, and uh, it was like I was a DJ. We had dancers. We had an MC. Uh, we actually won um, a big hip hop competition at Club Checkers back in the day, and I think that was like my coming out to the scene. And then what I marked the the beginning of my career was 1992. I opened up at the Rialto Theater for the Steady Mobbing Tour, which the headliner was Ice Cube, Yo-Yo, uh, Black Sheep, Adele the Funky Homo Sapien, and um, what's that group with Coolio? Oh. Wow. What was that group that Coolio was? Uh, uh, Mad Circle, Dub yeah. C and the Mad Circle. Yeah. So Dub C. I, 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 count, I count that as my first official gig. That's what I consider my first official gig. I think there might be footage of that Dub C show in Montreal. There should be. Or on the internet. I feel like yeah. I've seen that. For me, I, I count that because I went through different names. Like, I was DJ Fresh D. I went through different names before. But the first time that I came out as Don Smooth on a flyer was that show in 1992 at the Rialto. Okay. Okay. Um, when did you first do radio? And what did radio mean at the time? 
You know, I, I was thinking about the questions that you might ask me, and I said, you know, I have to make sure that I mention how important CKUT has been for the urban market, the hip hop, the reggae, the soca, and all of that, because we weren't getting this music anywhere. Like I'm talking pre-internet days and all of that. So you had to wait till your specific show would come on on a Friday night or on a Saturday. And CKUT was the highlight. The first time I heard EPMD was on a Friday night on CKUT. I was a religious listener to Sound Supreme on Saturdays with Flight and LBG, which is now the Masters at Work time slot. So, um, but for me, my first radio gig was CKUT. The first time I ever played on radio was uh, CKUT. It was on um, Stretch's show on the Saturday with the uh, West Indian Rhythms. That was my very first time talking. Maybe this is maybe like 94. Uh, I came in and did like, you know, a 30 minute uh, segment on his show. So that was probably the first time I ever played on radio. And uh, was it hip hop? It was, it was Soka. Okay, so it was a nice yeah. focus set. <laughs> it was it was so it wasn't even hip hop. It was Soka, and Soka was different at that time too. It was more more calypso, I guess. Um, I mean, I well, guess Soka, the sound of Soka was just different. The, the sound the sound of everything was different, right? But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was different. But it wasn't really like calypso, like the the social conscious type lyrics and stuff like that. It wasn't like the Sparrow and all that. But it was like the early days of. Uh, Marshall in the early days of, of, of Edwin Yearwood when he was with Crossfire and Allison Hines with Square One mm -hmm. and stuff like that in the Super Blues. So, uh, yeah. Crazy, crazy, man. And it comes back to CKUT. <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, I did CKUT and that was like a dream. Like, I used to sit down at home and practice and pretend that I would be on the radio because CKUT was our everything. It was our hot 90s. It was, it was everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I always used to emulate that. And then when I got a chance to actually do it for real, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, because you couldn't count on Music Plus to give you that. Or you couldn't no. count on uh, Mix 96 or Q92 to give no. you any of that. So. Montreal, as you already know, Montreal is a very dance music oriented city. So uh, like we had to seek out the urban elements. Like either people were bringing back mixtapes from, from the U.S. or the Caribbean. That was the only way to get access to our music. Mm -hmm. um, since the radio was so prominent at that time, uh, and like you said, a lot of artists, that was, that was like, you know, artists would come to the city and they would definitely go visit the radio station. I'm sure that over the years, you've, you've encountered artists, you've had experience with that. I was wanted to see if you could, if you have any past memories with uh, artists that you've met or any experiences you, you've heard about or... Wow. Just kind of like countless general radio stories kind of thing, you know? Uh, okay, so you're speaking like now when I've gotten over to K103, like when I have my own show type thing, right? Well, so, so when, yeah, what, when did that happen? So we're talking um, about 94 was, was the beginning. Of 94 was probably the first radio. time that I touched, yeah, played on radio. And so when did you get your first show? I, I got my first start uh, at K103 in uh, 2003. Okay. And hold on, I didn't get that. You froze a bit. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No problem. Your internet connection is unstable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here though. But uh, so, repeat your last question. But yeah, just like um, just the con connecting with artists coming to the city. Uh, are there any experiences that you remember? Are there any uh, just you know general? Stories? I remember all of them that come to mind, uh, well, 
could you could you speak about a couple of those experiences um uh well i guess i i, I should start with the first i started um i did and shout out to to duke eatman man legendary duke eatman he's the guy that gave me my shot on radio and um i started on radio as a, as a replacement I, I they called me at like say three o'clock and said you know don can you come in and fill in for heel he was the creator he's the one that created the street sound show yeah. I said, can you come in and fill in for Heal today? And I was like, shit, I was nervous. I was like, I, I'd never done it at this point on K103. I was trained for it. So I took two, three shots at Appleton. And I said, all right, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to do the radio show. And then they were like, okay, can you come tomorrow? And that uh, one or two day replacement turned into 14 years on air. But um, to talk about some of the interviews, the first week I was on radio, I started on uh, K103, uh, April 19, 2004. I remember the year exactly because it was a year after my birthday. My first interview was G-Unit. So I was Lloyd Banks and um, Young Buck. 50 Cent at that time didn't do radio. He only did TV. He, only, he, he was only accepting TV interviews. So I, I, I got to interview um, Lloyd Banks and... Fifth, and um, Lloyd Banks and Young Buck, sorry. And uh, that was my first official interview ever. And it was like, I was blown away. And I just had to like compose myself and say, you know, you go inside there, they bleed just like you, ask the questions that you want to ask as a fan and that you think your listeners will be interested in. And it went really well. And I think that moment gave me the confidence to, I approached every interview the same. I'm like, these are dudes just like you. Yeah, they're famous, they're big, and they are who they are. But just go in there, ask the questions, that you'd want to know and that your listeners would want to know and make it conversational. So I can never forget that because that was my first, my first official interview with a hip hop artist, but I had so many along the way. Um, I got to inter interview Diddy when he came to, to Montreal to launch Sean John. That was an amazing experience. And that ended up resulting in me getting a sponsorship deal from Sean John that lasted for 10 years until they left the country until wow. they were no longer available here. But uh, one of my craziest interviews, I got to interview, uh, shout out to my dude, Jay Devonish, because he hooked it up for me. I got to interview uh, General Steele and uh, Buckshot. When they came to Montreal, they're performing at the Belmont. I got the hookup. I got to interview them. And I spent like the whole afternoon and evening with them smoking for like three, four hours. And <laughs> I thought I could smoke until I met them. And these dudes were just smoking, smoking, smoking. And, but it was such a cool vibe. I was like, and it, it's crazy because I'm sitting there and it was like real casual and we're talking and we're talking about music. It, wasn't, it, it, it didn't even last an interview for very long. They just started talking about life. And it was just like, like as if me and you were, were having a conversation and talking. We were just talking about life as, as, as young men. And we went on for hours upon hours upon hours just talking about this and talking about that. But in my head, I'm hearing all the music that I bumped from these guys and seeing the videos in my head. And I'm like, usually, you know, I'll be sitting down at home. I'll smoke to your music. But now I'm sitting down with you guys doing it. Yeah. So that was definitely a big one. I mean, there's so many. Uh, I, I was very fortunate that I got to uh, interview so many of my idols throughout my, uh, my, my time doing the radio. You know what I mean? That's special. That, that definitely is one, one that stands out. There's more. But... Uh, that comes, that comes to mind quickest. Yeah, man. How does it feel when things come full circle like that? You know, you put so much time into music and it's beautiful what hip hop can bring back to you sometimes. Um, 
I guess it might not be a question. It's kind of a comment at the same time. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, how does it, 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 you know what? I, and, and I, I can't really give you an answer for that. It's just like, it's, it's kind of surreal, but it got to the point where I felt like this is what you were meant to do. This is what you have the fortune to the, the good fortune to be able to do these things. And uh, it just seemed like a blessing. It was like, I was like, you know, maybe I'm this vessel that is to these artists who come into town and I get the opportunity to interview them and, and, and bring the Montreal audience a little closer. That was my whole goal every time I interviewed somebody was to try to, to, to relate it to Montreal and to, to, to bring the Montreal a, a, a closer glimpse of some of their favorite artists. Mm -hmm. So it, it, was, it was great. I, I, it was a great ride. Yeah, it kind of lets you know that you're on the right path at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a favorite show that that, that you know in Montreal? You have one one show in mind that you're like that was that was the the, the best show I ever went to. Wow, it, it, it's hard to pick one, but uh, off the top, the first one that comes to mind was the Hard Knock Life tour, 1999. Uh, at this point in time, hip hop. This is when hip hop shows now had exploded. It was no longer being held in high school cafeterias and, and small venues. Like now we're in the, I don't even know if it was the Bell Center yet. It might've been the Molson Center at that time. And it was Jay-Z, DMX. At that time, wasn't really known uh, in Montreal anyway. Uh, that, Method that's 98, right? You're saying Hard Knock Life. That's, that's 98. The Hard Knock Life tour, I believe, was 99. I'll have to check. I got the flyer yeah, yeah. right there. It, it makes the sense that it was 99 because the, the yeah. album came out in 98. So 99, yeah. it would make sense that they're on tour promoting it. I, I have it there because that's a collection of some of my favorite flyers. It was Thursday, the 11th of March, 1999. <laughs> it's, it's, it's right there. <laughs> Why don't you just, you should just read off some of those flyers for people, right? Because well, I, I was going to ask you what that is. Yeah, it's, it's uh, actually shout out to my wife. She did that for me years ago. It was like a lot of the club stuff that I did and a couple of the concerts and stuff like that. Like there was a salt and pepper came to town in 1999. Uh, it's more club than, than concert stuff. The only two concerts on there is the Hard Knock Life Tour and when Salt and Pepper came to town. Okay, okay. But uh, that was like, that was the first time I saw a hip hop show on that level. Like it was, you didn't get more official than that, right? Like it's, a, it's an arena tour, huge artists. The place was full. It was packed. That's when we Crazy. saw, I had never seen hip hop on that level in Montreal. Jay-Z, DMX, did he have Memphis Bleak with him? Uh, yeah, always. Memphis Bleak was there. Uh, Method, it was, Method Man and Red Man opened. Uh, I believe DMX was, went after, and then, of course, Jay uh, closed the show. Yeah. And at that point, DMX was known, but he wasn't DMX, DMX. And I remember what stood out about him was he came out solo, no dancers, no hype man, nothing. It was just him alone on the stage, and the dude killed it. Yeah, man, I could imagine. I wish I got to see DMX live. The closest thing I watched was the Survival of the Fittest tour. Okay. You could watch that on YouTube or yeah. back in the, used to be on VHS back in the days. But right, right, right. That, but what you, I want to add about that tour, that tour with, uh, it was, there was something else that I wanted to add about that. It was special about like Method Man and Red Man. That's when they were like, they were hanging from the Raptors and they were doing How High above the crowd. They were suspended above the crowd. It was just, it was just insane. We had never <laughs> seen anything like that. It was, it was, it was definitely a standout. It was amazing. Oh, that's what I wanted to add. 
the other show to that was at Jerry Stadium where they do the, the tennis and all of that was the Smoking Grooves, 1997, Public Enemy, Cypress Hill, Black Eyed Peas, when nobody really knew who they were. They were backpacker rappers at that time. Busta Rhymes, the whole flip mode. That was a crazy one as well. Crazy. Crazy. Um, was there a time that you believed in the hip-hop scene here and expected it to flourish internationally? Like, not in hip-hop coming, not, not now people coming here to perform, but the actual talent in the city. Did you ever have, was there ever, ever a time when you believed in it and you thought it was, like I said, like you expected it to flourish internationally? Um, if yes, then what made it that? And if no, what was lacking? Okay, so I'll tell you, Pro-V, yes, 100%, there was a time when I thought we were on our way and we were we were heading in that direction um one thing that, that i was? i made say it again you remember when that was um i would say it started bubbling i mean it was always there but then we started to see a cohesiveness and a more professional um um response by the artists i would say like 2009 ish 2010 when like all of a sudden now the artists started coming together. Like I started to see the scene coming together. We always had rappers here in Montreal in pockets. There was, but the, we never had a scene. We never had a scene. There was never like Montreal shows, like a couple of Montreal cats would get to open at a concert, but there was never a Montreal show. And uh, one thing that I said when I had that platform, I'm like, if you're not gonna give these, these guys an opportunity, then who is? Like you have this platform, play your Montreal artists, play their music. And that was something that I was, I, I was very big on. I was pushing the Montreal artists. As long as they provided me music, I was pushing it. And I think it encouraged them because then they kept saying, okay, now we know if we make some music, Don Smooth's going to play it. It's going to start getting played on the radio. And we started to come together. And um, rest in peace to Matt, Matt Dutch Garner from uh, Escape MTL. He was, he was a visionary. Like, we were on the same page. He, he saw Montreal going to the next level. And um, along with Matt, myself, and Nick Fury, we started doing um, hip-hop showcases at Bourbon Street in the West Island, and it was called The West is Major. And here was a, a situation now. This is, had never been done before. You know, we saw people coming out from Birds, DG, St. Lowe, from West Island, from all over. Hip-hop fans were coming out to watch solely Montreal artists. And all of these shows were pretty much sold out all the time. So I was like, we're definitely on the radar, we're making noise. And I, I, I conversate with people in uh, Toronto a lot and they started catching wind of the movement because they saw a consistency in materials being put out, uh, videos were being put out. So it was growing real good. And another rest in peace to Bad News Brown, he was our leader because he was already getting recognized internationally. So, and he was kind of like, you know, the leader of the movement and um, people were so inspired by him Finally, we saw one of our own doing it. So we knew that it was possible. So it was all encouragement. Like, you know, when they say the stars align, there, that moment in time, everything was aligned. Like we were getting love uh, through print media with like the Montreal Mirror. We were getting it on K103 on CKUT. Uh, we were getting it in different avenues. We were getting it on the live with doing live shows and all that. So really and truly, to answer your question, uh, I saw it going beyond Montreal. 
I definitely saw we had something that was established that was going to go beyond Montreal. And the second part to your question was, well, why didn't it? Or it was like, what, what, what made it like, if, if you did see it, like moving or, you know, um, I, 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 I saw it moving that? because the support had changed. Like everybody was rooting for everybody. Like, you know, Magnum was doing his thing. Boy Blue was doing his thing. Eye Blast was doing, everybody was doing their thing. And, the community, all the rappers were all supporting each other and they were working together and they, it seemed like we were on a mission and there was a lot of momentum with it. You know, one of the, the biggest shows I've ever seen in Montreal uh, was the um, Bad News that hosted a show, the New Money Show at the Corona Theater. Five, six hundred people, all Montreal artists. And people were like, you would think, you know, we had headliners from the US or whatever. And when I looked at that, I was like, wow, like we've definitely achieved and accomplished something because I believe you got to conquer your own city before you go globally. A lot of artists say that it doesn't work that way. They got to go out, then come back in. But um, I felt that we were on the path of conquering Montreal and on the verge of going out further. Why, why is that not? Why do you, why do you think um, you don't feel, well, not like I asked you, but it sounds like it was more then than now. Um, how do you, you know think what? about things now? About no, well, you know what? Um, things, things evolve and, and things change, right? So like now the artists have, they can do it. I know the artists feel like, you know, they have the platforms there to do it. They don't necessarily, I, I think a lot of the artists feel like if I get the love in my hometown, I get it. If I don't, who cares? I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to expose myself to the world and they're going to go that route. Like, I don't think the artists, they, they, they don't feel the necessity to, to, to get it, to conquer their, their, their home cities anymore. And since, since that, that time period around 2010, I've noticed that everybody's gone back into their circles. People are still making great music. They're still putting out great product, but we're not cohesive like before. And you know, that's okay. Because things change. As long as they can reach the goals that they want to achieve, you know, power to them. You know, it's just being done differently. Yeah. But I, I really, I saw something. I was very proud of what I witnessed uh, back then. Like, like I said, I have to go back to that uh, new money show. Uh, it was like, like I said, it was like over 500 people. And it was just, just Montreal artists. And people knew the songs and people were hyped and the energy was good. They had the support of the city. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's encouraging. And you saw that with the rappers. Like, you saw that they were encouraged. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, with the untimely passing of Matt Dutch Garner and Bad News Brown, it, it took a lot of wind out of the sails. And you saw things slow down uh, a lot after that. It, it really took a lot out of the city. But those that are still dedicated to it and they still love what they're doing are still doing it. Mags is still making music. Uh is still making his music. Uh, Nov is still doing stuff. People are still doing stuff, but it, it's just we're not cohesive like we were before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you go to other cities, uh, let's say in Canada, like if you mm-hmm. go to Toronto, yeah, they have a hip-hop radio, they have hip-hop radio stations. Mm-hmm. Why do we not have a hip-hop radio station <laughs> here in Montreal? This has been the, one of the most asked questions. 
This has been one of the most asked questions I've had. Of course, of course. Um, you know what? Um, and I, I'm going to give you the same answer that I've given all the outlets. Like, this got me in, that question got me in, uh, in Noisy by Vice just like a couple of years ago, one of the last interviews I did. They said, why does Montreal... I'm not in the position of the people that control the Montreal radio, but in my humble opinion, it's just that the city of Montreal, it's a combination of they don't understand the urban music or they don't see how they can monetize. They don't see it as being profitable. That's the only thing that I can see as to why they don't try to do something here. Like Evenco clearly gets it. Because Ivenko will never do, never do Oshiaga without a, a hip-hop for a headliner. You know what I mean? So the powers that be, there are some that do understand, like hip-hop music is one of the top genres in the world. Uh, why it is not on the radio here, I think that the people in the suits at the top that make the decisions, they just don't understand it or they just don't, they just don't see how they could monetize, how they could profit off of it. But it's funny because... If you go on um, your average popular radio station, hip-hop's playing all the time. All the time. So that's, that's the funny part about it. It's like, we're not going to do it. We're not going to say we're doing it, but yeah. we're, but we're going to do it. You know? yeah. So they are, they are monetizing off of it, but they're just not – I don't know. They're not, they're not fully, they're not into it fully. Yeah. Like, they, they, you cannot deny playing a Jay-Z track. And you cannot deny playing, say, like the Kendricks and even like Amigos and all that. But I'm sure, Pro, when you, you hear it, like uh, the DJ Khaled record, I'm the one. Lil Wayne's version never gets played on the radio here. Like, they'll, they'll play the hip-hop, but it's kind of like hip-hop light. Like, they don't, they don't, and I hate the fact that they take the artist records, the way they recorded them, and then they play like their special radio versions, and I get them, where certain verses are not a part of the song. Like when Umbrella started playing here in Montreal, the J verse wasn't on it. And yeah. I mean, if you're not gonna play Jay Z, like, like what's, what, what is their, their reasoning? What's the rationale for that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was recorded, Rihanna and Jay Z, but they will play the version where it's just Rihanna. I don't know if it's a fear of the music, of the culture. Yeah, well, not to get into it too much because we can, yeah. well, we can go on on that tangent for a long time, but like... For sure. I, it's def, it's For me, it's... In, in my view, it, it, it's definitely race-oriented, you know? It's definitely... We're not gonna... We're not gonna fully connect with, 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 that, with that culture and with those people. Um, but at, at the same time, because I don't want to, I hear what you're saying, and I don't want to make it race oriented. But at the same time, hip hop is the, one of the most popular genres in the world. So is country music. We don't have any country music stations in Montreal either. So I don't know. It's it's just strange. Like, but country music, but, but, but hip hop is, 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 is like Montreal is hip hop. Yeah, Montreal is not country. Uh, <laughs> Quebec is country, but yeah, Quebec. Yes. What, what, the point I'm, the, Montreal, the point I'm trying to make Montreal. is that. It's a big, that country is a genre as big and as popular, quote unquote, as hip hop and it's, it's misrepresented. Like, it seems like Montreal is very content with, we know that dance music works and just leave it like that. And, and we're not interested in changing anything. That's what it seems like. Yeah. 
But then you do the, the Metro shows and you do Oshiaga and everybody's coming for the hip hop artists. Yeah. It feels like a one foot's in and one foot's out kind of. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you got it. <laughs> I hear everything you're saying though, man. For sure, for sure. Um, how would you compare the English and the French scene here in terms of structure, outlets, and support? Well, hands down, um, the French scene definitely will have uh, more outlets. They'll get more play. Uh, they can definitely go further for the simple fact that they'll be accepted a lot quicker. They'll get play on, on the French stations, on major French stations, whereas the local hip-hop artist is not going to get play on the major uh, Anglo stations here in Montreal. But the French artists are definitely in, in, in a better lane, for sure. You know, we had the Muzayans and, um, oh my gosh, Sans Pressions. And a, a lot of these uh, groups did like huge units. And at the same time, you have to look at the Quebec market. It's like if you're a Quebecer or a Francophone that wants Franco hip hop, it's either France or it's Quebec. So they have, it's more, it's more niche. They're not competing. Yeah, not a lot of places to go. They're not, they're not competing against the U.S. You know what I mean? We have to compete against the U.S., the U.K., yeah, you're competing against friends. That's about pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Um, in no particular order, name your five mm -hmm. favorite Montreal artists. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me, bro? My favorite, <laughs> five favorite Montreal artists. Yeah. So it could be producers. It could be anybody, rappers, anybody singers. Else. You know, just uh, five artists. I've got to give it up. A-Track, uh, High Classified. Mm, those are like some dope individuals that I, I saw them come up through their journey. Uh, gone but not forgotten, but I got to give it up to Bad News because he reached levels that a lot of artists haven't managed to achieve since. So I got to definitely put News on the list. Um... Locally, there's so many, man. There's so many. Of course, K. Trinata, I got to big up him. And I don't want your listeners to, to feel like I'm just bigging up the guys that made it internationally, but I got to give them credit because they broke that barrier. Yeah, and, took and, it to and you're level. bigging up guys who you've seen come up from, from, from the bottom of... That's the thing, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I've seen them. Like, I've seen eyewitness A-Track as the little 15-year-old kid that they had to get, get him a booster to stand up in front of the turntables. Like, I've seen A-Track from the beginning to where he is now. So it's like, it's amazing. Uh, locally, I, I, can't list, I can't list five. There's, there's too many because there, I have guys in the reggae scene and there's arm talent and there's hip-hop talent. But um, I got to pick up the guys that managed to break the barrier and, and go further. Uh, Mag's definitely one of my favorites. Personal favorite, I love Full Course. Full course is 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 one of my favorites. Like that's a dude. Like I put the album in and I bump it from beginning to end. I really enjoy what Full Course does. Uh, Eye Blast has always been solid. Um, Boy Blue haven't heard anything new from him lately, but he was a dude that was definitely putting out good music. I'm sure I've gone past five now at this point, but for sure, yeah, <laughs> I will give it to them. But that's what we want to hear, man. We just want to hear. It's, that was that was the point of the question. It was just to, to big up some people, give them yeah. a shout out, and uh, 
Yeah, man. Hopefully, you there, there, there's, there's many, there's many. Cease Rock. Yeah. Shout out to Cease Rock. Cease Rock. So you see, it's hard for me. I know it's an interview, and we got to get it done in a certain amount, uh, amount of time. But like, yeah, take your time, man. Take your time. My 14 years of radio, I saw so much. It's hard to compact it in you know, in like a 30 minute interview or whatever the case may be. But like Cease Rock had done something at the Belmont Theater that had never been done before. He did an album released, The Coolest Cat. It was called The Coolest Cat. Mm -hmm. And it was like a you, show. When I came to see you at K103, you were wearing The Coolest Cat hoodie. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's because I respect that, that moment. Like, Cease did some stuff like like Montreal dudes. They have the talent. They have the talent. They have the, It's not a lack of talent, but it's the lack of the platforms and the outlets. But now with the internet, you know they can reach out to the SoundClouds and different platforms. It's it, it's just a motivation for them to get out there because we don't lack talent. Talent is not the problem here in Montreal. Mm -hmm. It's not the problem. So shout out to Cease Rock, man. I remember that he did the coolest cat at the Belmont Theater, and I was like. Like, he did something that you would expect from a major. Like, he put together such a great show. It was well thought out. It was conceptual. And we were all blown away. I was hosting the show, but I was a, a fan, and I was a member of the audience at the same time. It was, it was a great experience. Nice, nice. Was there ever a time um, when you wanted to give up this music life? Um... Actually, I did early on in my career. I did, but that was, you know, some girl shit. It was like you get caught up with girls, and it's like, oh yeah, you're not studying the music and all that. But then, luckily, that happened early enough in my life that I got back on track and I focused on it. And uh, so, at this point, um, I would, I, I realized I've come to the point I would never give up on it. Like, whether if if I never get booked again and and it was all to end, I'll still be at home collecting the, the latest music i'll still be at home mixing the music whether i have an audience to go out there and play it for so be it you know obviously that's what i want but music is just it's, it's just in me like i have to listen to music every day and, and and play around with it so uh early early on yeah there were times when i was like uh you know i got distracted with with, with other things where I, I put my energy into that but there was never a point where i got frustrated and said oh you know this ain't working for me this dj thing ain't working for me uh, i'm giving it up no mm -hmm. no so you've seen you've seen most of the eras of hip-hop you know you've lived through them what's your yeah. favorite what's your favorite era and why <laughs> um my favorite era is the golden era it's the 90s era because I was a teenager. I was a teenager in the 90s. So my favorite era is the Illmatics, the Ready to Die, uh, Reasonable Doubts, the Mary J. Blige, What's the 411, uh, My Life. My favorite era is the 90s, musically. And that goes uh, R&B, hip-hop, reggae, soca, in all genres. My favorite era is the 90s. And I was, it's funny you asked me that question because I was having the conversation with my son. He's 14 years old and he's heavily into the pop smokes and the six nines and, and, and Uzi Verts and all of that. And, and a lot of people, because I do multiple, I do all kinds of different events. Like I, I'll do events for people my age. I'll do for teens. I'll even do for elementary school parties. And sometimes people will come up to me and be like, Oh, but Don, how are you playing this Migos music? Or how are you playing 
the Uzi verts and the six nines and all that. And they're like, oh, it's just mumble rap. It's like, I'm like, it's, it's the music of now. Like, don't hate on it. Like, it, it can't all be golden era and 90s music. You love that music because you were a teen during that time. You love the time that that music represented. You know what I mean? Like, don't hate on what the kids are listening to, to now. Those, the rappers, Migos and all them, they're not making music for 30-year and 40-year-old people. For they're you. making it for, <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm yeah, 46 yeah. years old. I'm not ashamed of my age, any shape, way, or form. Yeah, and, it is, man. But, it is. but I recognize what it is. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm 46, but I can play for a 6-year-old, a 16-year-old, 26-year-old. You know what I mean? I'd be relevant with it. I, and, I, but a, a lot of people... They're stuck in their era. Mm -hmm. And for me, my whole thing is just the music that the people are going to enjoy. Whatever audience I'm playing for, I could play for people younger than me. I could play for people older than me because I play the music that they're going to enjoy. The last gig I did before this whole COVID business, I DJed at uh, Dawson for the, uh, for the provincials. I DJed at Dawson's Basketball Provincials. Mm. It was pop smoke all day. And I loved it because the reaction. My whole thing is seeing how people happy. react. I love to see how they react to the music. You know what I mean? That's, that's their biggie. That's their Tupac. And a, a lot of people want to hate on it and call it mumble rap. No, it's, it's now. So I'm, I'm good with that. But long story short, my personal favorite era is the 90s. Mm. Widget had this idea to, to do this kind of a, a this or that segment kind of thing. So, okay. Biggie or Tupac? <laughs> you know, I'll be Biggie. Biggie? All right. Biggie. DJ Premier or RZA? Uh, before the verses, Premier. After the verses, RZA. Ooh, what happened? Um, I think... Because you know what it was? I'm hardcore. You know, we are Montreal. We're, we're very, very heavy into that boom bap sound that Premier created. But, uh, and not to knock Premier. We can't knock Premier. No, no. Uh, what I found was there was more creativity in the RZA's music. Whereas Premier has a signature sound, but sometimes that signature sound can be repetitive. At least hearing it in that platform, where you're hearing the beats one after the other, after the other. For me personally. Mm -hmm. It started to become monotonous. And I love Primo. Like, before verses, hands down, without thinking about it, I would have said Premier. After the verses, I say Rizzo. There was something by watching that, that it's like you feel that Wu-Tang really touched the world somehow. And I kind of feel that by watching that verses. And, and like you said, nothing, nothing to do with Primo. This has nothing to do with Primo. It's just, no. I was hearing those different Wu tracks. It was like, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, man. And like you kind of, yo, the woo, like the, you forget, the, but you don't really ever put it all together, you know. And yeah, that's in, exactly what you said. It, it's yeah. like we we know the tracks, we know all the albums, but when you get it concentrated all at once, you're like, oh shit, he did that. Oh fuck, we forgot that. Oh damn, he did that. So just on create, there was nothing like RZA before, and there's gonna be nothing like RZA after. So I had like a total expanded respect for RZA after the verses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Expos are Canadians. Ah. Uh, what year? What era? 94. <laughs> uh, Canadians just won and Expos look like they're like they're going to win. 
Well, I'll tell you, I was always more a hockey fan than baseball fan, so Canadians. Okay. okay. I had Canadians. no idea, so I just wanted to hear that. Yeah. Um, Kobe or LeBron? Kobe. Smoke meat or poutine? Poutine. Nike or Reebok? Nike all day. <laughs> I don't think I, I've ever owned a pair of Reeboks. <laughs> you should have said Nike or Adidas. Nike or Adidas. Oh, now he's thinking. Actually, I'm looking at my shoes on the ground and I see a pair of Adidas. I don't see no Nikes around my... I have to say Nike, though. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, 514 or 438? Oh, Pro-V. <laughs> you can answer that for me. <laughs> 514 all day. Um, due to the times, the internet, you know, uh, radio isn't what it what it was it's not as relevant as it used to be yeah uh, what are your thoughts on that where can the progression be seen and where do you see things going where can the progression be seen in terms of towards radio in in i guess the like the, the media of music you know like radio turned to internet yeah some people are like oh man we've lost radio kind of thing because radio isn't yeah. what it used to be, but there is, there can be progression seen in that still. So where do you see the progression? If you see progression and um, where do you see things going for radio in the future? Um, radio, you know, a, a lot of people say that all oh, radio is dead or it's not, not at all. Uh, and I remember that a lot of times when I would go to conferences and different, um, meetings and whatnot the label heads and all that they still respect radio a whole lot because anybody could jump on the internet and do a show and do a podcast and all that but radio is a little more structured it, it, it for label heads and and people in the industry it, it seems a little more official so radio is still very relevant i believe it's just that they don't have the monopoly on music anymore they got to share the space with the the internet platforms with that being said, I think radio, like if I was to do radio now, I would still do it, but then I would have to incorporate the, the internet with it. Meaning now if I'm doing my show, my show is going to be live streaming. I, I, think, I don't think it will take much. Like if we do that, that will bring it into the spaces of, of the youth and, and still have the other generations involved in it. So radio, for me, for me personally, radio is still relevant, but it can't just be the same. You have to incorporate what's available, the, the internet platforms, and, and make that a part of it. Like you see, like, The Breakfast Club and Hot 97 and all that. They're doing the radio, but they make sure that they have an online presence. You just have to be where the people are, basically, is what I'm trying to say. So a lot of people are like, oh, radio is dead. No, radio is not dead. And labels can monitor radio a lot better than they can monitor social activity. So for artists, sometimes it is beneficial to be played on radio and to get that exposure on the radio. And then you add in the, the, uh, the online element to it. So no, radio, people have told me that before, our oh, radio is dead, blah, blah. No, radio is not dead, but it has to evolve. You can't just sit there and play music on the radio and think everyone's going to come. They're not going to come. Because like I mentioned before, I have a 14-year-old son. He has no concept of radio, no interest in radio. Mm -hmm. Everything he gets is through Audio Mac and Spotify. And so you have to, 
adapt and bridge the gap between those two worlds and and radio is is good mm -hmm. you talked about a whole lot of different things that you've done um what does don smooth do now uh what is don smooth a lot of e-learning I, I i bounce between zooms between my kids on their uh doing their e-learning at home i'll tell you what you know what because when this whole covid thing started i said to myself man with all this downtime uh, this is the time to do all those things that I said, oh, I don't have the time to do. Like, I'm a hardcore fan of turntablism. I was never able to do it myself. I never took the time to learn it myself. So I said, you know what? I, you know, I dabble in it and I can scratch and whatnot. But I said, you know, with this downtime, I'm going to sit there and learn a couple of new scratches. And so what has Don Smooth been doing? Trying to learn new things that I've always been interested in, that I always felt or always said I didn't have time to do. So like I'll watch tutorials and, and emulate scratches. And I picked up Serato Studio now because it was being offered for like a dollar. And I've always been into production. So I'm like, let me start dabbling. I, I took this time, the downtime to start dabbling things that, that I never did before. Mm -hmm. And to add to that also, because a lot of people said, oh, well, Don Smith, why did you leave the radio? Why, you know, what happened? What happened? I left the radio because I started a, a food business called Tasty Touch back in 2015 and it started to uh, grow and get bigger and became profitable and I said you know what I'm gonna take time away from that and put my energy into that so you have it first I've never answered this question on air to anybody uh, people have asked why have you left the radio what happened did you get fired no I did not get fired I left because uh, I felt I had reached the point at K103 what could I have done that I didn't do already and it started to become monotonous for me. And I said, okay, you know, time to move on and do something else. And I had something else on the side that was profitable and working for me. So I said, I'm going to put my energy into that. I know I would always be a DJ. I was a DJ before, I was Don Smooth before K103. And I'll be Don Smooth after, as I still am. So that's what I am doing now. Yeah, that's great. That's good. Is there anything that you do outside of music that we might find interesting or surprises? Well, as I just mentioned, I can cook really well. <laughs> and I've been doing, uh, I've been, my company Tasty Touch has been doing uh, the Taste of the Caribbean for the last five years. And we've been doing a lot of business uh, in, in food service. So that's something that a lot of people probably would not expect uh from me is that uh, i'm heavily involved in food and food prep and food service and all that so i'll say that would probably be the number one thing that people would be surprised to hear that i do okay outside of music what's your background i'm bajan canadian born mother and father of bajan okay cool, cool. what wow. is your background my father is trini nice. and my mother is canadian irish cool nice yeah. a lot of drinking <laughs> <laughs> a lot of drinking. <laughs> um, in this Montreal hip hop history, what would you like people to remember about you um, as an artist and as a man? Wow, you got good questions, Proby. Yeah, shout out to Widget, um, man. It's not just me. It's, shout, uh, out shout, Proby, out shout out to Widget, man. Wow, <laughs> good questions. Um. You know, it's crazy. Like people say, oh, you know, Don Smooth. A lot of times people, I run into people and they say, oh, you know, thank you for you for the city. You know what? For me personally, I'm still that, that dude, even at 46 years old, I'm still that dude that feels I got to prove myself. Like 
I got to go home and practice and come out like, and, and still, I still have that same mindset that I've had when I started, like, it's cliche, but you're only as good as your last gig or as, as your last success. So like, I, I still feel I got to prove myself, even though I get, you know, such great uh, support from the city. Um, I'd like to be remembered as somebody that supported his city, supported his community, supported his talent, because that was something that was very important to me. Um, more than anything, I'd want to be remembered as like, I want people to say, you know what, that dude, Don Smooth, he, he did what he could when he was in the position for his city. That's what, that's what I'd like to be remembered as. Like, you know, this dude had a platform. I was never selfish with it. I never did anything for my gains. Uh, artists could tell you, they came to the radio station. I never played the whole payola system. People used to offer me and I would be like, no, that's not what we do here. Many times I had artists and managers offer me, okay, we'll give you X amount of dollars uh, play our artists. We, we want our artists to play on the radio every day for a month. And I was like, no, it doesn't work like that here. Good music is good music. If your music is good, I'm going to play it. I'm not going to play you because you're from Montreal. I'm going to play you because you're good. So if anybody could say, and I've heard a couple of rappers say it, if anybody could say, you know, I got my first break from Don Smooth, my first experience on the radio, my first experience hearing my music in a club or in a, in a concert was because of Don Smooth, that's satisfaction for me. Knowing that I helped somebody further themselves in, in their career and that somebody, that I'm a part of somebody else's memory, that, that, that's a, a blessing for me. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. If, um, if the whole world was listening right now, what would your message be? Um, treat, so to make it short and sweet, because that, that's a heavy question and that could go into volumes, but it's it's old school, but treat others how you'd want to be treated. Don't treat anybody with any less than you'd want for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the big problem that we're having in the world that's going on now is that people are not treating others how they would want to be treated. And that's like the most simplistic, most basic. And like, you know, that's something we've heard all our lives growing up. Do unto others as you'd want to be done unto you. And it still reigns true till this day. And if I think if people actually adhered to it and, and, and followed it and respected it a little bit more, maybe things would be better. Because unfortunately, people don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, treat people. Don't do something to someone else that you wouldn't want someone to do to you, basically. It is what I would, if, if I'm looking at a global level, my message to the world. Yeah, yeah. Treat people how you'd want to be treated. Don't do something to somebody that you wouldn't want to be done to you. Simple, man. Very simple and very true. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, I just thought of a, another question to ask you. Um, that Go was, ahead, man. I got I time. We got nothing but time these days. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about Buddha Blaze for a moment, man. Yeah. Put me on the radio. Who I still do the radio with. It's been eight years now. Um, wow! Already, I know you guys have a have a have a history over it. At, you know, K one oh. Buddha Blaze, that's my dude, man. Yeah, that's my guy. So what? Uh, Buddha Buddha Blaze. So what did you guys first more. link up? Wow! I, I w it would have to be K one oh three. Um, 
we first met and linked up at K103. And, uh, you know, Buddha had radio experience at the time. He was already on doing the Off the Hook show uh, with Flo and Orion uh, at nighttime. And, uh, but, you know, Buddha was, was great to me. And um, he taught me about the community that I ended up working in, which is Ganawage. He taught me how things worked out there, and he showed me a lot of love out there. And uh, even beyond that, he brought me on to the Off the Hook show. I used to do, like, guest appearances once or twice or at least a couple of times a month. I used to come on there and do mixes. Like, I would leave K103, drive downtown, go to CK, see Buddha Blaze. Buddha Blaze was very supportive of me. And even... Not just with radio, like I would go and hang out with him and go chill by his spot, and we, me and him would talk. And um, no, I have nothing but uh, I'm very appreciative of the time and the the info and the messages that I got from Buddha Blaze. Like he was very supportive of me. And you see, something that's lacking a lot is like there was never a thing like, oh, if I helped Don Smooth, he might surpass me, and blah. There was never that with Buddha. Buddha was like so encouraging. And I was like, yo, dude, I got this platform. Come and jump on it. Like, come come do off the hook. Like, boom, boom, boom. Like, whatever it was. And I remember Buddha Blaze, uh, when we were both at K103 at the same time, we went and we did, um, we played at HMV downtown during Grand Prix weekend. And there was just, Buddha was like, Buddha Blaze is a guy that was, it was no show, it was no glitz, glamour. It was like, okay, you can play good music. I like what you play. Come, let's do this. Let's, I'll help you, you help me. And, and, and that, was, that was the relationship. So Buddha Blaze uh, was nothing but encouraging for me. Respect, respect. And what was your first uh, time meeting Flo? Another... <laughs> well, at, at some point in time, I, I had, I'd known Orion. I knew I knew Orion from before, uh, but I first met Flo Flo from Flim Flam. I still don't know what that means, but I had met Nobody Flo. Nobody knows uh, what it means. Yeah. Coming in. Nobody knows what it means. <laughs> um. <laughs> but uh, I I had met Flo uh, just yeah going down to the studio. Yeah. And, and and the thing with Buddha Blaze is like, Buddha Blaze has a very hardcore exterior, but. Once you get beyond that, like, he's a dude that will do anything for you. Like, a lot of people will maybe meet Buddha and they, they won't understand him. But, like, he's a dude that has, he, he has a good heart. Buddha Blaze has a good heart. Like, Buddha Blaze didn't have to help me. He didn't have to do nothing for me. He helped me in his, he helped me strive in his community and then invited me downtown to his platform at CKUT. A lot of people don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, but Buddha, we had a mutual respect for each other. I respected what he did. Uh, he respected what I did. And for him, it was like, yo, if you're going to come down and bring an element to my show that I think my listeners will enjoy, by all means, come on down. You know what I mean? And then the, the same went the other way when I was in Ganawagi and, and, and all of that. He was very supportive of me through the whole time. Like, Fallen Tree, Brother Fallen Tree. Yeah, man. And this, this will be aired on Wednesday, so for all the listeners out there, tonight, midnight to 2 a.m., Off the Hook Radio, DJ Buddha. Oh, cool. Flow. So this will be my first time on Off the Hook in, in a while. Well, but I, I no, respect this, this won't be on Off the Hook. I'm just letting the listeners know that tonight, okay. from midnight You're to 2 You're on Off the Hook. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
to, to go listen what, to the how did, how you know more about this. How did you get on radio? Pardon me, go ahead. How did you get on radio? It was Buddha. Yeah. Buddha, um, I, was, I was doing a guest mix for Off the Hook. So Buddha was, I, I, I gave it to him. It was a half hour mix. And he said, if you want to come through live at the radio to just, you know, promote the mix and talk a bit, like the door's open, you know? So I came through and uh, he said, uh, do you want to come back next week and kind of just play instrumentals while the rappers are rapping from, from, 12, from 1 to 1? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like to me, it was just like, I get to go DJ again on the radio again. Like for sure, I'm there, you know? So, yeah. And it's been every, every week since, since fall 2012, I think. So not, not all, almost eight years. Wow. Yeah. But, wow. Yeah, man. So big shout out to Buddha. Mm -hmm. No, but you, you guys, like, like I'm a fan. Like, I, I've listened to All The Way Live many occasions. Like, once I'm, if I'm in the, in the car at that time on a Wednesday, I'm, I'm for sure I'm tuning in. And I like what you guys do, and I enjoy, and I hear the passion in it. You know what I mean? I think that's what brings success is when you're passionate about what you do. Like, there's a lot of DJs that I've seen along, along the years. They come and they go, but they're looking for the fame or they're looking for the money. And it may come in or it may not, but the dudes with the passion stand out. It's important. It's important. And when you're doing uh, university radio, it's an opportunity to really share that passion uh, with, with no expectations because there is no money. There, it's just your time and, and, and your connection with the people. So hopefully yeah. that gets, you know, understood on the other end of those radio lines or <laughs> whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Yeah. What for you? Uh, how has the radio been since 2012 to now? Um, it's a tough question. It's kind of stumped me. But at the beginning was, you know, at the beginning you're you're not really looking at it from the outside in. I feel like now I have more of a of a, a broader scope of things. But at the beginning, I was just really trying to handle the task at hand. Like, don't make any mistakes while you're DJing. Yeah. Learn, how to, <laughs> learn, learn how to talk on the mic. Yeah. Uh, don't allow any dead air. It's gotta be, yeah. subject, you know, and, 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 and take that very seriously because this is an opportunity that, you know, you've, you were the guy at home recording tapes before. So 100%. I guess at the beginning, I was very focused on, on the task at hand. Now, um, it's like, now that I can do that, now that I have those skills, I need to, you know, I need, I, I need to change things so that the listeners like who've connected through the music, now we can connect through interviews like this and, yeah. and, and kind of give a different angle. So I guess that's the best way I can answer that. You know, things are, I'm getting, I'm getting a better field of vision for, for it, I guess, you know, and understanding. But, are you a DJ or producer first? Which comes first? Um, which came first was DJing, um, but the production has really become full-fledged in my life, you know, like that's, cool. they're not, now they're, ha now they've connected and they're, they're hand in hand. Nice. Because, um, you collect records, you collect music to DJ and also these are things that you can use to make the music. Yeah. So 100%. it's really, uh. 
I've, I've, yeah, I've connected all those dots, I guess, in, in, in my life. Yeah. Oh, very nice. And what was some of the, like, the early records you bought? Or where, where were you shopping for records? Because you're from a generation, a younger generation than me. So like, what, what was your spot to go and collect records? So for me, it was CDs up until the mid-2000s. Mm. And there was one day, there used to be this used CD spot on St. Catherine called Cédémont. Okay. And it was, it was right, it was like diagonal from Sound the Record Man. Okay. And then over a few streets on Blurry, you had um, Zulu Records. Mm. And there is, so I had bought this Fat Joe CD at, at the mm. Cédémont place. And my homie was like, yo, let's go check out Zulu Records. They have some CDs sometimes, you know? So I go over there and I see another Fat Joe album, but like, <laughs> it's huge and it's the record. It's on, it's on it's the, the record. Wall. It was his first <laughs> album. And I look at the back and it's produced by Diamond D. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I have to, I have to get this. Like, this, this is it. This is the first record I'm going to buy, you know? So I bought that and I also bought um, Nas One Love single. And I think uh, that after that, I bought one CD since then in the past 14 years. I think. Wow. Yeah. That so was like as, as a the dog DJ. Pound that, that, like, I saw the dog pound at Village de Valeurs. So I, couldn't, I couldn't say no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah the, the last was, record I bought spot. on vinyl was, was Bob Marley, The Legend at Winners. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I have it, but I was just oh. like, oh my God, they're selling vinyl at Winners. I remember I saw that post. I saw that post. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's true. Because last time I was there, I saw they had, you know, you wait in line and they saw a vinyl. I'm like, what? Okay. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't need it, but just because. Yeah, in those times, I was getting records at Zulu, Taboo. Yes. Um, that was, you know, above, off the hook. So we're talking, like, this is like what year now for you? Yeah, this is mid-2000s, you know, like, Mid-2000s, so okay. Oh five, oh six. I think that's when nice. I started really getting, you know, collecting records. And uh, primitive, uh, and beatnik. Mm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Those two spots on on Saint Denis and right. Yeah, there's a you know couple couple different spots in the plateau. So that was coming towards the time when vinyl had really become scarce. Yeah, it, it, it had really become me, scarce at that point. For me, I was like, I wanted to. I wanted to dive in. I wanted to get turntables. I wanted to, like, I bought that vinyl, that, that, that first record before I had a turntable, you know? Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I had records for years before the turntable. I had nothing to play it on, but I was collecting. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. So, um. What, what is your current setup now as a DJ? Like I at home? With the, I still go with the Scratch Live. Yeah, um, yeah, likewise. I guess I stay well, not Scratch too. Live. You mean Serato DJ Pro. No, no, no! I don't. I don't use. That. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I use. I, I. I literally use Scratch Live, the the original one. Wow. The first program. Okay. And I still have it loaded, but I don't use it. But okay. Yeah, yeah. Because to me, I've always treated the Serato the same way as I, as I, as I DJ records. Because the first thing I DJ was records. Yes, likewise. So when I went over to Serato, I just treated it the same way. I never got fancy with hitting cue buttons and. Really? Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know my shortcuts on Serato and all that. Are you serious? Yeah, so yeah. So you're not using the cue points and you're, you're, you're still I, in I'll, absolute I'll use the cue points, but I don't, like, I'll just, I'll, I'll have a one cue point at the top at the beginning just, of the track. Just the start of the record. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm good after that. I kind of, you know, because I learned the music. I know the music. I know where to go, but I don't know. It's just, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I am. That's where I kept it, man. That's where I kept it. That's so dope. So two turntables like, and a mixer. What is your because if you're saying that you started in the mid two thousands, so what what connection do you have to that vinyl element? Because you came after, like by by mid two thousands, I was even done with vinyl. Like I was on Serato fully. Uh, like I was done with vinyl at that point. So, what is it that you didn't grow up with it? So I what did. is it that made you? But I did. I did grow. But up. You 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 witnessed it. No, but no. you weren't. But I I grew up listening to I I grew up listening to vinyl in my parents' house. Yeah. You know? okay. I grew up like you know going to people's houses and like looking through their records and yeah. You yeah. know like that was interesting. Like you know you, you're talking about playing instruments. Like when I when I was when I grew up I was playing guitar, and. I would I would try to learn songs like so I would, I would try to play along to like Beatles songs for instance yeah or like Michael yeah. Jackson songs and I was playing that off the turntable and then playing along to it with the guitar with the guitar wow nice so but then you know like like you said like why why would I go back to vinyl after it's you know being the you know this man and tapes and I don't know I think there was uh, something that you could acquire. I saw that when I got that one love single, this is music that isn't really available on CD. Mm -hmm. CDs that we get here are like full albums, but mm -hmm. there was something else you're getting on these singles. There's instrumentals, there's remixes, right. and these things were not available. So that opened up that path. And I wanted to, I just wanted to respect and give full and kind of give full respect to this art that 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 brought me up it's 100 you know, like that, that was me you know it's like it's, it's weird as like saying like i pledge allegiance kind of thing you know yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm my whole that. reason for asking is because like i listened to your show and i'm like these are young dudes and i'm like they're playing my era of music and and but you're playing it with a passion and a love for it. Like I can hear it. And even in the freestyles that come up with, whether it be, I believe it's Tokyo Kid and Widget, towards the end of the show, there was a time when you always had like freestyles at the end of the All The Way Live show. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I was so shocked. I'm like, these are young dudes. Like they didn't grow up during this time. So why are they, what, what is the attachment? Like what's, what, where's we the kind of, we kind of, we, we grew up and we caught the tail ends of it, you know? Okay, I got you, I got you. Like. In the 90s, I was, in the, only in the late 90s was I a teenager, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you grow up and it's there, it's, it's there, but then once you get to understand it, you cut, you cut the tail ends of it, and it's like, you want to keep that tradition going because like, you, you know, how, you know, it's, it's, it's that classic line of like, where do you know where you're going unless you know where you've been? It came from, and, yeah. Yeah, exactly, so. So, yeah, so as somebody that came up that's old enough to know a little bit of the golden era, but 
more or less grew up in the current era, like when you hear the music of today, the Migos, the Uziverts, the Lil Yachty's, the Six Nines and all that, um, which is more relevant, I would say, to your age group, right? Or no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you looking at me as a, as a young, you know, but I can't say that, man. I can't say that because But as 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 a I, I literally would would record VHS tapes in the late 90s. Okay, okay. Well, okay. if you're talking about VHS then, yeah. You know, like I'm I'm in the you're, process you're, you're, of You're pre 69 and all that. If you're talking VHS. You see up there? Oh, wow. Wow. Those VHSs? Wow, I'm, I gotta go through those and just like I, I've been just like, not even DVDs but VHS. So that's yeah, that's vintage. I've been finding little, little things from hip hop and from Rap City and you know just trying to put that on the computer and 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 and, and share that with people after so that you know, like I came across this, uh, this like Buster one of those Buster Rhymes tours in like '98, and he's on tour with. Kid Capri. Wow. And Usher's opening for him, I think. Wow. Like, and they're, and I think that was at um, the Molson Center. Wow. Big. And he's doing an interview, doing the whole history of Kid Capri in an interview. For like four minutes straight, just talking about Kid Capri. And it's like, you know, like coming across things like that. Like he's in, Buster Rhymes in Montreal doing a, you know, it's yeah. just like, Right, you know, I, I caught Buster Rhymes in Montreal. He came with the, I don't remember the name of the tour, but he came on that tour. I think it was, no, I don't want to say the name and get it wrong. But he had come with 50 Cent, Snoop Dogg, Fabulous, uh, Bone Crusher. Once again, that was, at this point, it was the Bell Center. And Buster, like, absolutely killed it. And then I've seen Buster by himself at, like, Metropolis. Yeah, when it would be like, and when he did the whole, I think it was him and Spliff Star, and they did the whole thing where, like, he was playing a record. And he was had somebody doing the sound effects of like somebody playing a record. He's one of like I never yeah, had so a good that one. Of, I remember that. So Spliff you remember that, right? Was the guy who was like kind of operating the volume. Yes. <laughs> so he was doing "Put your hands where my eyes can see." Yeah, exactly. Hit me with no delay. So what you're saying? So exactly. On that flow, and Swift stars bringing down, like moving his hand down. So he's like, yeah. Swift stars would go down to this whisper flow, and then he would bring it up and. Right before the you verse, got it. bring it up, and then everybody's screaming, and yeah, yeah. One one of the greatest live performers, hands down. Yeah. And then he, and then after you know he had, he had his um, he took off his his outside t-shirt. He had a he had a beater underneath, but and he just wrung it out, and it was you could see yeah. it was dripping, yeah, on the stage. And he's like, look, if somebody comes to your city, and they don't do this, you gotta let them know. <laughs> <laughs> For real, though, he gives 110 percent all the time. Yeah, man. Yeah, so man. you've seen a lot of the shows, and you you see the shit that went down in the city. We like Montreal. People always, oh, Montreal is this is that. We've gotten a lot of good entertainment here. Like, there's there's we who can we name that has not come to Montreal of that's relevance? That's the thing. Everybody's been here. Yeah, from Jay Z to Everybody's been here. Even at even least Biggie, once. Even Biggie was supposed to be here. Just had some border issues, you know. Dude, I remember that day. I remember that day so clearly. 
I remember on a three-way with, with Gary T and DJ Tough, and they're like, oh, my God, Biggie's at the border. He's clear to come in, but he said, if the whole of Junior Mafia is not getting in, I'm not coming. That's what it came down to. Gary T was the promoter of that show. Yeah. And I remember being on a three-way with Gary T, DJ Tough that day, and they said that Biggie got cleared. Biggie was in Canada. But there was members of Junior Mafia that had issues. Yeah. And Biggie said, if the whole crew can't come, I'm not coming. And that's yeah. why Biggie never made it here. Yeah. Remember, uh, remember that story. That would have been so big. That would have been huge. Sorry, excuse the pun. That would have been huge. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man. I, mean, I even remember in um, House Party 3, Mm -hmm. and, TL and, and, and kids trying to like be TLC's road manager. Yeah, right, right. And he's getting them gigs in like these places you've never heard of. And T-Boz is like, look, we want to go to New York. We want to go to Montreal. We want to, yeah. what? Like Montreal was getting named just off the cuff. You know what I mean? As a yeah. place to, to go to, so. Well, like going back to like Jay with the Hard Knock Life Tour, anybody out there that's watching this and, and that's going to hear this, if you go back to the Hard Knock Life Tour documentary that Jay-Z put out, Montreal is in it. Like if you go back and watch that whole Hard Knock Life Tour documentary, which Jay-Z put out on VHS DVD, the stop in Montreal is on it. They mentioned Montreal in it. So Montreal, Montreal doesn't get enough credit, at least our urban scene don't, don't get enough credit, but a lot of artists have come here and they're like, man, they respect the city. They respect the city. Some fear it and other, others respect it. <laughs> just, uh, just, just check out uh, Lloyd Banks at Rainbow Heights uh, or EB Resto on YouTube. You'll see a lot right there. EB? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a huge thing. Lloyd Banks came through. He performed that EB, which for me was a strange fit to begin with and there was an altercation between so him listen, or somebody the listeners out there the eb bar is a little spot in dg that you yeah expect lloyd banks to be performing at but continue please sorry no no just, and tell them tell them to go on youtube and see uh lloyd banks at eb in montreal and they're gonna see it was pandemonium it was mayhem it was bad it's nothing that i'm i'm, I'm bragging about but it's something that happened in the city where lloyd banks came out had some words with somebody in the audience and then he hit somebody with a microphone and pandemonium broke loose like then everything just was just flying and he took off quickly he didn't even go to the hotel he got in his tour bus and went straight to toronto <laughs> <laughs> and i remember shout out to dirt work dirt work was at the door and all this is in the video and dirt work is like lloyd bikes where are you going aren't you G -G 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 -G, you and then lloyd bikes was gone <laughs> <laughs> check it out it's on youtube unless they removed it so i dropped okay. some things that y'all can check out there's a lot of stuff that, that has happened here that people have not seen you know what i mean like when chingy came and had to get security to get out of the club because he was wearing the wrong color in montreal it's there's 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 things that have gone on that a lot of people have not heard about yeah yeah, yeah. That should be a whole show in itself, like Montreal Rap City for the day, and just you know, <laughs> a whole bunch of stories, history. No, there's there's tons of stories. We can't tell them all, but uh, I just want to say, you know, Pro, it's uh, for me as to be on the opposite end 
and, and being interviewed is, it's, for me, it's a highlight. It's something that I enjoy because I'm always the one doing the interviewing. So the fact that somebody like yourself that I respect is interested in my stories and what I got to say, it's a pleasure for me that, to, to do it. And, you know, anytime I'll be available to do it. Sure, man. We appreciate you taking the time so much. And, uh, you know, you're, you're one of the older heads who's, who's, who's seen a lot more. So definitely always want to, like I said, take that in and, 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 and understand, you know, where we've been, like where, where this city has been before and, and to understand where to go, you know? And, um, thank you for, for, thank you for, for being an example, you know? Uh, a good example. Sometimes people are, are, you. are, are a bad example, but right, thank right, you, right. Thank you for being a good example, you know, like the, like I'm sure you, you know, in, Buddha influenced me, Buddha influenced you, you influenced Buddha, yeah. you know, everybody influences everybody and it's a small city, you know, so like, I'm just using that as an example, but like, I got you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Appreciate everything you've done, man. And, and, and Woodsy definitely sends his best. He, you know, he was really Shout excited. out to Widget. Yeah, yeah no man, doubt. He was really happy that you were going to, you know, that you sent in the mix number one and that, you know, you're taking the time to do the interview. It's something we want to do for a while. And so, yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it, man. It, was, it, it It's fun. You know what I mean? It's just, I try not to look at interviews as interviews. I always approach them as just a conversation. Like, yeah. you know I, what I mean? I ignore the camera and it's just like a conversation. Like two dudes talking. Like, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, man. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna play the, the mix after the interview. And, cool. um, the full thing. So can I? Okay, so the the mix is coming after the interview. So uh, I just want to put it out there so you could have this little piece of footage if you want to use it. Uh, if anybody's wondering what inspired the mix, uh, basically when Pro V asked me to put provide some music for uh, all the way live, I said I wanted to the mix consider it like a chapter. Whereas supporting Montreal is very important to me. So when you listen to the mix, you're going to hear I started out with like some Montreal music. And then I started out with some music that was really huge and important to me in the beginning of my career. So we're talking like early to mid 90s. And then, you know, it tells the story uh, beyond that point. That's that, that was my whole purpose yeah, behind I mean, it. Yeah. yeah, like anytime I put a mix together, for me, it, it got to tell a story. And the, the story of that was you get a little bit of Don Smooth and what Don Smooth is into, what I like, and what, you know, really got me excited. So, yeah, man. Yeah. It's, uh, Hope you all that, enjoy that, it. That definitely, that definitely got conveyed in the mix. Is that, that no. <laughs> cool. You felt that message when you're, when you're rocking it. Yeah, man. Cool. I'm glad. Yeah. So, yeah, man, thank you so much. And uh, definitely be in touch. I'll send you the links and all that stuff, you know? Thank you. So, so that's tomorrow from three to five, right? Yeah. It's the all the way live. If I'm gonna, I'm gonna join the interview in the mix. If mm -hmm. it might not last, like you know, it might not, it might exceed the two hours. But if it does, like no matter what, the the interview and the mix will be together on my SoundCloud. Cool. So if 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 it doesn't line up in the two hours, then it'll just it'll get cut off, whatever. But in the SoundCloud, the whole thing's gonna be uh, available. I have no worries, man. You do what you gotta do. What makes sense, sense for your show. Don't feel no way. Like, I've done interviews that have been, like, 30 minutes long, and then it turns into five minutes when the editing is done. You do what you need to do. You know what I mean? It's all oh, good. To me, to me I, this, is, this is a great combo, so I don't need to do much editing, you know? So it's, mm. yeah. 
It's cool. Yeah, man. Before you go, because yeah. I know we, we didn't touch on it at all. What is your thoughts about everything that's going on in the world at this moment? Because you dedicated last week's show to the, the movement. Yeah. And the moment. Last right? week's show so, was... So you're, you're, you, you obviously have a connection to it. Yeah. To me, it's like... Okay, I do a hip-hop show, right? If mm -hmm. you want to talk about last week's show, I do a hip-hop show. Hip-hop has always been the voice. It's like hip-hop is actually what's happening. You want to know yes. what's actually happening? You want to know yeah. what 90s looked like? Go listen to yeah. hip-hop from the 90s. They'll tell you... 100%. What like. 100%. And I've always... Like I, like, I always appreciated that, you know? So that honesty has to be conveyed. So I had to play songs that we've been listening to 20, for 20, 30 years that are still relevant this minute. Yeah. And I'm going to take news coverage from today that shows you that nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. No, unfortunately. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and it's like, what do you, on the other side of things, it's like, we need to change people who need changing. Like you and me, we don't need to change. Mm. Like we can do extra, but like the, the, the foundation of who we are doesn't need to change. We're, we're people of people. We yeah. love people. And we, yeah. and, and we want that back. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So how do you change people that need to be changed? Um, and it's, it's, it's nothing that I can pinpoint in, in an answer, you know? But like no. that's, that's been the like, it even kind of makes me like shake a little in my chest when I think about it, you know? It's like, how do you... How do you do that, man? You know, how do you? Because I, I think, I think, like me, you, you recognize the moment, and you know, I'm so happy. And, and, and a big shout out to Montreal because Montreal has been representing heavily. Like, they had the first week of protesting, and the second week, the numbers tripled or quadrupled. So, like, you know, big up to Montreal. They've been out there representing, but it's like a, it's like a huge mountain ahead of us, and it's like, like you said guys like myself and, and you and many others, we have these feelings and these energies in our hearts, but I don't know if people realize what we're up against. We, we have the right intentions. We have the right energies, but it's a huge task ahead of us. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's like every, every, at every single junction in the past, it's been like, okay, we're making noise. And then a week later, yeah. Everybody's forgotten about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. This is one of the first times where it's different. Where it's different. And you know, like my father who was born in 1939 said it. I'm feeling it. You're saying it. These are different generations who are feeling yeah. it. Yeah. So it's gotta count for something. Hundred percent. Um but I still have that the cloudiness of our people going to understand our people going to change our people going to stop like as much like I, I pay attention to to sports as well because america's biggest distraction is a lot of times sports yeah yeah 
But when the sports world, all day ESPN is, we're talking about this, and then mm-hmm. one quarterback comes out and, and says, well, mm-hmm. what about the flag? And then everybody else jumps on him like, yo, mm-hmm. did you mm-hmm. not understand what just happened again? You know, yeah. And people are actually, like it's a week or two later, and people are still, you know, um, that's just something that hasn't been felt. So, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you 100. percent And and there's something that the situation is not new, but the reaction is new. Whereas, like you said, it's come and gone. It, this is this has been happening. Like as we spoke about, as we I went back and talked about my experiences in in, in the music industry here in Montreal. The, the police brutality and violence was also a part of that history. Like, as a teen in high school, I knew about Anthony Griffin. I knew about Marcellus Francois. And fast forward to the new millennium and beyond, I know about the Freddie Villanuevas. Like, it, it, it's crazy that that's all a part of the soundtrack. Like, that has also been a part of the history, and they can't be ignored. Like, for some people, they might feel this is something new or something that's, there's just a few random acts that have happened, but this has been happening for the last two, three decades that I've been able to witness myself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, but as you said, and, and many people are saying, this one feels very different. And um, I've said it many times, I really just hope that it, it, it doesn't fade away when the next new cycle or the, the, the new hype comes along that is forgotten, but I don't, I don't think it will be. You know what I mean? I really hope, you know, people are saying, oh, let's talk more action, but there's a lot of action and a lot of work to be done to rectify uh, this kind of situation. And I know people want results now. They won't get the results now, but we're moving in the right direction because right. It, for the first time ever, it's global. It's global. Yeah. Like, it's everywhere. It's global. So that is very encouraging. And, and, and I hope yeah. for the best. Yeah. One thing I noticed that was kind of interesting and that kind of shifted my way of thinking about it because, you know, we're always thinking of, of changing. Like, like I said before, how do you change people, right? Yeah. But I saw something that was really interesting, which I never even thought of. It's like Nickelodeon mm-hmm. and took a stance on everything. And like they, I think what happened is they, they, they stopped like televising for like eight minutes and 46 seconds. And, you know, for, you know, same amount of time that dude had it, you know, his, his knee on the guy's neck. And, yeah. Yeah. and then some dude came out and, 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 and wrote a tweet to them like, yo, like, why are you bringing this into the world of children? Like, like what you know, and 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 then they tweeted back like, "Well, unfortunately, some children face this every day, and we're gonna do our best to like you know, spread that." And that was just, it was amazing because like, I never saw the stance that of like a big corporation that controls a lot of youth thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know so. I don't know, man. Is that, that was kind of, I guess, refreshing to 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 see. I I don't know a lot of details about that stuff. You know what I mean? But just to see that little thing about, you know, we're going to the root. You know, 
Yes. If they grow up knowing that, how can they get to 20, 25, 30 and still have yeah. a mindset if they've been exposed to it their whole life? Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, it's only, um, it's only becoming more global, as you said, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I have positive. I, it, it's a huge, like I said, it's like a mountain. It's like a huge mountain for them to tackle. But um, we've, we've gone beyond where we have been in the past in, in terms, as I mentioned, that it's gone global. So I, I believe we, we are going to see, see changes. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see the changes that people want to see overnight, but it's going to take time. It's not going to happen immediately. But I, I definitely feel we're on the right path. And it, it, it's, it's crazy times we're living in right now. It really is. But positive, stay positive. We're gonna be good. Ça va bien aller. We're gonna be good. We're gonna be good uh, in, in time, man. But I, I'm really impressed. I have to say it again, man. I'm so impressed by Montreal, man. Like Montreal, Quebec, even as a province, man. I'm, I'm so impressed on, on, on the support that this moment and movement is getting. And, and that's what it needs. That's what it's gonna take for the powers that be to realize these are not isolated incidents. These are not ice incidents that only affect a small community. Like it's global. It's humanitarian now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a civil rights issue. It's a human rights issue. Yeah. So Definitely. it's great. And I listened to your show last week and I was like, I was like, oh man, I said, I gave Pro V the mix. I rushed to do the mix and the guy didn't play it. And I was like, oh, I said, you know what? I totally understand. And I was like, you know what? Fuck, I should make another mix to suit that's more relevant to the times. But it was, it was just. Uh, I was like, you, you, you represented while I listened last week. I was like, that, but that needed to be done. You know what I mean? Like what you did last week. I was like, that needed to be done because I, I it would be if I was on the radio right now, I wouldn't even feel right playing. I, I wouldn't want to play no happy music. It's not happy times. Yeah, and even for you, I was like, I don't think Don would want to play this music. Right no, no. No, it was not appropriate because yeah. that mix was made before this shit happened. Yeah, exactly. And even me, I was like, oh, gosh. I'm like, after everything happened, and I was like, no. I started going back, and I was like, let me pull out something different and try to get it to you. But I'm like, with yeah. time and whatnot, I was like, I wouldn't be able to get I was like, to you in time. And I'm like, if we just do the interview, that's cool. Like, I leave it up to you. Because I know as a radio personality, you got to provide the content that makes sense for your programming. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I was, yeah. And the, the honesty and the, the connection with, you know, with the world is, is it's got to be there right now, you know, so. Yeah, man. No, but it was great. It was, it was, it was a great conversation with you, man. Like I said, I got a lot of respect for you do, for what you do. And, and even before you and I met and spoke personally, like when you came on my show last, I was, I was listening to your show. And I, I, I couldn't understand. I'm like, what are these young dudes, what's their connection to this music? But I'm like, I enjoy it because you can tell when somebody does something genuinely and not like, like just jumping on a bandwagon, like feeling, okay, retro is a trend, so we're going to do retro. Like you, I could hear in what you're playing and what your whole crew is doing that you genuinely like it and enjoy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was very authentic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, part of that is like, you know, play, play songs that, you would you you wouldn't hear on the radio. Exactly. Play albums. Exactly. Play play songs that I've only heard in my headphones or in my house. <laughs> we yeah. could, you know, like like because then people know the artist. It's like why yeah. play 
the Jay-Z Alicia Keys track when I could play something older off of, you know, whatever that maybe somebody hasn't heard. Like, yeah. And I, I feel that with like, with the show too, is like, there, there's, there's, there's hip hop that I don't, that you can get. It's, it's always, it's there, it's available. But like, what I'm mm-hmm. going to give you is like something that you're not getting at every door, you know, kind of thing. And it's not to say like, you have to open this door. It's just like, yo, yeah. just know that that door is there. Exactly. And, you know, that, that's a, that's also been there, you know, so. And, yeah. No, man, but you like, salute to you. Like, if anyone, when people ask me, I'm like, radio is in good hands. Like, you guys are treating it and handling it with, with a respect that it, it's undeniable. Like, you know what I mean? If you're doing good things, you're going to get the reaction. You're going to get the response. You're not going to be a fan to everyone. That's impossible. You're never going to please everybody. Mm-hmm. But there, nobody could deny that what you guys are doing is not authentic and genuine and very I- enjoyable. It, it's, it's, it's on point. Like, you know. It means a lot, man. It means a lot. And I follow, I've been listening. Like, I know the themes. Like, sometimes you do a whole album of this artist. Or, like, you got a lot of themes going on. And everything makes sense. You're not just going on there and playing music. You know what I mean? Appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. It's... Keep doing what you do, brother. I ain't coming back to radio, so you got to keep doing it. <laughs> I will, man. I will. <laughs> yeah, man. Hopefully we can talk sooner than later, too. And Anytime, brother. Anytime. Hey, this, was, this was fun for me. I like to talk. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Good talking. Thanks a lot, Pro V. So people do remember all the way live each and every Wednesday, 3 to 5, Pro V, Widget, Okay, so let's make it official. I want to send a big shout out to my family. Pro V, my dude. Brother Fallen Tree, Buddha Blaze. Fro, fro, flow from Flim Flam. He's doing it real big. Along with Tokyo Kid, each and every night, midnight till 2 a.m. And I hope they still got the rap hour, half hour freestyle oh, yeah. going on real big. Oh, yeah. Usually Don Smooth, man. Peace and love, people. Shame, yeah. But just to make up an old nine pigskin, we 
took the great cup, Montreal, Mino, shooters, no free throw, advise you to keep your arm, Tony Calvillo, but I'ma rep it till doomsday, till then I'ma bring help to the streets, I'm on bullshit. On my TV on the job, I wrote MC And this is strictly for those who don't know about me You see, I be the type of this you V's I be I've never been one of the dudes up in the VIP Seven dollars is about what I'm spending Time and time again The only bottle that I ever popped was a Heineken There's something you should know about me When I had common sense, I walked the streets with no ID So in case the cops ever pull me over to stop me They can't get my name cause I got nothing Sloppy On my TV on the job, I wrote MC And this is strictly for those who don't know about me You see, I be the type of this UV's I be I've never been one of the dudes up in the VIP Seven dollars is about what I'm spending Time and time again The only bottle that I ever popped was a Heineken There's something you should know about me When I had common sense, I walked the streets with no ID So in case the cops ever pull me over to stop me They can't get my name cause I got nothing Sloppy as far as I can tell, I knew from day one that my rhymes would sell. I've been a bully on the beat since I was 12. I used to pick on nerds, but I like Pharrell. There's something you should know about me. Ain't another motherfucker that can flow like me. Ain't another motherfucker who got soul like me. Uh, no, not he. He could've hold my cleats or jock strap. Stop that. Them dudes are not crap. They should be somewhere on stage in a top hat. In a play that's I'm okay, I wouldn't knock that obstacle, whatever it is, they do long as it's not round. I work the main a couple night shifts, over grinding, watching the clips roll the strip with impeccable timing. The bars break a B.O. that needs so badly, the bathroom's flooded in piss and coke bags. The back alley's littered with literature, wall scripture, background to the indigenous homeless fixture. He got his change in order, smacks his vein to shoot a score, steps away from a McGill student, giving dome. She's an out-of-towner in pursuit of higher learning. I had surfed for the night, and now it's time's turning. My stomach kicked, I need a quick fix before manana. Four in the morning, cop the Boca Dio and Panada. I press Panada, headed off towards the after spot. I'm always on the list, I like to brag a lot. I roam the city with broke fucks and nice sneakers. You never see in the light, these are night creatures. They said fires and then bells. No telling how to survive in this hell. No one is Shades and 
corn braids, pitching pennies. Honeys had the high top jellies, shooting skelly. Motherfuckers was all friendly, lounging at the barbecues, drinking brews with the neighborhood crews, hanging on the avenues. Turn your pages to 1993, niggas is getting smoked, G. Believe me. Remember back in the days when niggas had waves, gazelle shades and corn braids. Remember back in the days when niggas had. Remember back in the day. Remember back in the day. Remember, remember, remember back in the days when niggas had waves. Gazelle shades and corn braids, pitching pennies, honeys had the high top jellies, shooting skelly, motherfuckers was all friendly, lounging at the barbecues, drinking brews with the neighborhood crews, hanging on the avenues, turn your pages to 1993, niggas is getting smoked, G, believe me, talk slick, you get your neck slick quick, cause real street niggas ain't having that shit, talking text for rep, smoking blunts in the project always, shooting dice all day, waiting for niggas to step up. On some fighting shit, we get hyping shit and start fighting shit. So step away with your fist fight ways, motherfucker. This ain't back in those days, but you don't hear me though. Cause I'm finding it a little hard to concentrate with all the noise. Get the point? I 
let you go before you leave I guess I ought to let you know I need those keys and I promise you never no matter the weather ever 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 ever, ever come around here no We throw the work in the can and run With the plans with to get funded Skate up the set To achieve this goal quicker So all my weight wet Face with immeasurable odds Still I gave straight bets So I felt the most something And you nothing Check I'm from the other side Where other guys don't walk too much And girls from the projects Went fuckers Said we talk too much So they ran up the time Cause they sought them dudes to trust I don't know what the fuck they thought Them niggas is foul just like us I'm from with a beef is inevitable Summertime's unforgettable Boost is in abundance Buy a half price sweater new Your word was everything So everything you said you do You did it Couldn't talk about it if you ain't living I'm from with niggas Pull your car And argue all day about Who's the best MCs Biggie, Jay-Z, and all You know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. 